Mary Carmen ran in our room, yelling. She said, I found a mother cat. Her sister Coke, Coke's twin Tony, Salita, and I followed her to the alley. These were my cousins. We shared a room at my grandmother's house, and we never rolled without each other. I've always been in a gang of some sort, even if it was five and six-year-old girls. Laying next to a trash can in high grass was a dead cat with big <laughs> Mary Carmen was right. She was a mother cat. A group of men stood outside a factory smoking. One of them said, Get away from that thing. Can't you see a dog got to it? Salita said, We have to save her babies. Where are her babies? We searched through the grass and up the alley for kittens, but couldn't find any. Coke had the idea to bury the cat, give her a proper funeral. We had to hurry because the evening was spreading out against the sky. We got a stick to push the cat onto a piece of plywood and carry her to my grandmother's backyard. The ground was harder than I thought. After a few minutes digging, I wanted to quit. It's probably deep enough. We slid the cat off the board, covered her with dirt. Just then, my dad bust out the back door. What the hell's going on? If you kids don't get in this house, I'm going to smack some A mother cat died, said Mary Carmen. But my dad had already disappeared back into the house. Blackie, our dog, slipped through the screen door and started pawing at the grave. No, Blackie, no, I said. We tied Blackie up to keep the mother cat safe. Salita made the sign of the cross, and we started to pray. Later that night, my Uncle Art came running into the house, shirt torn and bloody. He said he'd gotten jumped in a bar off of San Fernando Road. Without missing a beat, he and the rest of my uncles grabbed sticks and bats and ran out the door. About an hour later, the men of the family swaggered back into the house, bragging about how many people they'd f***ed up. My grandma grabbed us kids and made us kneel with her in the corner of the living room to say the rosary. I watched out the corner of my eye while my abuelito stomped around, pumping his fist, yelling about how macho we trejos were. My uncles were laughing, passing beers, doing play-by-plays of what had gone down. My grandmother made us pray louder, looking at my cousins and me kneeling in prayer for the second time that day. You'd never guess that every one of us would go to jail or prison. But we did. No matter how close to God my grandmother wanted us to be, we were already on the path. We were Trejos. If my family had a legacy, that was it. And you'd never guess that the baddest of the bad, me, would make it out of the prison system and instead of dying in the streets, 
as a stone-cold junkie and killer, I'd end up being shot, stabbed, decapitated, blown up, hung, flattened by an elevator, and disintegrated into a pool table until my eyeballs rolled into the pockets in a career that made me the most killed actor in Hollywood history, that I'd meet presidents and have murals of my face painted on walls in different continents, that companies would want me as their spokesman because I was not only loved but trusted, and that I'd have an official day named after me in Los Angeles because the Danny Trejo who I was before I got clean and became a drug counselor or before the world got to know me through my acting career was no one anyone would want to paint or honor because back then I was the Mexican you didn't want to f*** with. This is Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having their say, on the air. Tuning you into the Latino literary renaissance in all its splendor. Interviews, teatro, rap, fiction, poetry, memorias, composer spotlights, and more. Always mas. This is Tony Diaz, El Libro Traficante. Thanks for tuning in to Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having their say. You are catching a one-hour special with El Mero Mero, a Chicano icon, an American movie star, Danny Trejo, also known as El Machete. Today we're celebrating his book, Trejo, My Life of Crime, Redemption and Hollywood. He's going to read some excerpts from this powerful book, which is really a testament to his trajectory. And he goes there. He doesn't hold anything back. You're going to find out so many fascinating details, but you're also going to find out a lot about what he's made of, his values. And you're going to see some parallels to the values we hold dear in our community. And then, of course, we'll be speaking at length about him, about the making of the book, You'll also have a chance to meet him in a virtual book discussion. Brazos Bookstore is going to have a special conversation with Danny about the book, My Life of Crime, Redemption in Hollywood. And he'll be in conversation with Steve Buscemi. And then also our own friend from Houston, Texas, Professor Daniel Peña, July 14th at 7 p.m. And you can go to brazosbookstore.com. For more information, it's a ticketed event. You can also submit some questions. We're also going to feature throughout the show some of the artists who are part of his music label because he's doing that too. He's a music mogul. (laughs) I also want to thank our amazing team that keeps donating their community cultural capital to bring you the cutting edge of art, literature, culture, politics, from the upper echelon of names that are known across the country to brand new writers who are for the first time letting their voices be known. That's what we're about. I want to thank Rodrigo Bravo for mixing our shows brilliantly and consistently giving back to the community. I also want to thank Gabriela Vasquez who helps with our promotions and she's been a fantastic intern. 
I also want to thank some of the originals. Liana Lopez, Brian Paras, poet Lupe Mendez, Laura Acosta, and you, our dear listeners, for coming through week in, week out, and supporting our radio program. We really appreciate it. You can find out how to donate by visiting NuestraPalabra.org or visiting KPFT.org and making a donation in the name of Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having their say. Hey everybody, this is Danny Trejo, bringing you Chicano Soul Shop, Volume 1. We got a bunch of great artists on the lineup. I'll be taking your requests and dedications. Hit me up, 818-445-3403 or ChicanoSoulShop.com. All right, let's get right into it. Here's Frankie J and Trish Toledo, my angel baby, right here on Chicano Soul Shop, brought to you by Trejo's Music. Tony Diaz, El Libro Traficante, and you're tuning in to Nuestra Palabra, 
Latino writers having their say on the air. And we're really happy to welcome a Chicano icon who we're happy to share with the rest of America and the world. And as soon as you hear his voice, you will recognize him possibly from one of his over 380 film and TV credits, such as the major works of art titled Machete, Spy Kids, or the film every Chicano has to watch to get their black belt, Blood In, Blood Out, Bound by Honor. He's a giant of film, and now he's entering the publishing world with his memoir titled My Life of Crime, Redemption in Hollywood. Please welcome El Mero Mero de los Mero Meros, Danny Trejo. Hello, how are you? So excited to have this book out in the universe, Danny. Houston, Texas is going to show the love. They're going to show the love. Now, you're a major movie star. I'm a book guy, (laughs) you know. You know what? I like to say I'm a working actor. Nobody likes movie stars. (laughs) But you you know what I love? You still turn to a book because nowadays, unfortunately, more people give credit to films and acting than writing or books. Why was yeah. it so important for you to tell your story via this very important art form of the book? Well, you know what? It's uh, the, the reason I wrote the book was just I wanted people to really know me and what what made me. And, and I really believe that we're only as sick as our secrets. And so I, I, I just had to... Uh, let people know that it, whether you got secrets or not don't matter. You know, it doesn't matter where you start. It matters where you end. Mm. So I just, I just purged all my secrets and just, uh, I wanted the kids in juvenile hall to know that if they had a life, you know, parents like mine or, 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 or always acted like everything was all right. You know, they don't have to. And you do not hold back. This is really an authentic honest account you don't sugarcoat anything why did you want to tell the story that way because you you tell everything you're right you have no secrets left i don't think well you know what it was like they were killing me and it's like you know the latino community a a lot of us are so afraid of therapy Mm. a lot of us are so afraid of any kind of of writing things down a lot of us are afraid of we're actually afraid of therapy and and uh to me this book was so therapeutic for me and the people that have read it have thanked me and said you know what they can really identify with a lot of growing up you have a really intense portrayal of your youth some of the violence you experience some of the violence you engendered when you were writing about your youth what were you trying to convey to young people i think the one thing that i wanted wanted to let know that there's redemption it's like when you're having problems it's like for me it's like i start helping people and by helping people it seems like i get out of any funk that i'm in any kind of crap that i'm in it seems to like wait a minute that's the way diosito wants us to live he wants us to help other people so when we're doing that that is a form of therapy Mm. you know when you go down to skid row and you pass out socks to people that don't have socks all of a sudden Mm. you feel better you're not looking down at them. You're not giving a hand out. You're giving a hand up. That's beautiful. I want to tell folks, too, Tejas loves Danny Trejo. I want them 
to share the love. So you need to know that Brazos Bookstore is going to have a special conversation with Danny about the book, My Life of Crime, Redemption in Hollywood. And he'll be in conversation with Steve Buscemi. Thank you for giving that young actor a big break to talk with you there. And then also our own friend from Houston, Texas, Professor Daniel Peña, July 14th at 7 p.m. And you can go to BrazosBookstore.com for more information. It's a ticketed event. You can also submit some questions. As a father, you really did break my heart when you're talking about how here you are conquering your own addictions, helping others through counseling, but struggling to save your own children from that yeah. from that fate. Break, break that down for me. Yeah. You know, you know the, the the hardest thing. I remember me and Chispa Sandoval. Chispa used to be a member of the Mexican mafia, and he found Jesus. That's the only way you can get out of the Mexican mafia is if you know if you can just turn to Jesus and say, "Hey, start." They'll they'll know if you're for real or not. You know and. Uh, and uh, he was a, a leader in the, in the mob, and then he was a, a, a leader in the Christian church. And he had me on a speaking engagement out in El Monte to a bunch of high school kids. And at the time, I had been trying to get in touch with my son for three days. Mm. You know, he was off and running and lost. And just before I went on, I, I said, what's wrong? And I told him, I said, man, here I am talking to these kids about how to stay clean. And I, geez, I said, I'm dying. I'm dying. I can't find my kid. I don't want to do this. And and he said, maybe God wants you to talk to them from a parent's side. I, I went out and I talked and you know, some of those kids were crying, thinking about their mom and dad waking up in the middle of the night and not knowing where they're at. And it really, it really touched me too. You know, it really let me know that, oh, by the grace of God, a couple of days later, I found my kid. Mm. That's powerful. You're probably between takes right now. I hope you're going to write another book. You know, kind of just told my story. I have no idea what else I'm going to do. I'm, I'm working on a couple of films right now, and my son has uh, directed me in a movie called From a Son, which was, uh, wow, that was the heaviest thing I ever did. I've never cried in a movie, <laughs> but my, my kid had me sobbing, mocos and everything. I, just, <laughs> I, I wanted to... I wanted to cry like John Wayne, <laughs> but God, he had softened me up. And, and when, when this scene happened, when I really learned that he's, he's passed, I was like, oh, I went, you know, I worked with a little young actress named Sasha Falovia, but she was amazing. Right. And I asked her, did you kill my son? And she goes, no, I loved him. He was my only, and I broke down. And I, I really felt like my son had died because, because there was days that, that I almost knew he did, mm. you know. And, and if it wasn't for my support system, I met a camarada of mine in, in San Quentin when I was doing Blood In, Blood Out. Eight years later, he got out of prison, and we talked, and he came to work for me, and he's the guy that saved my son's life. He, you know, It's funny how the Osito works. I think your book also is really a testament to the power of art, literature, culture, yeah. and your films are therapeutic, they make us proud. But even there, I hope people don't think of you now as a mentor. Because not only have you counseled, you've mentored and inspired not just your kids, so many actors. So first of all, props to that, Hermano. That's awesome. Donald Logue was one of the people that really, yeah, Donald Logue, he, we sat down. Because he's my friend, right? One of the close friends, like a brother. And, and we sat down and started writing this. And it, 
I, I, I'm really proud of the way it came out. I know some people are going to be angry at me, but that's, <laughs> you know, that's the way it is. Edward James already called me and said, break it down. Tell us what do you say? What do you say? <laughs> no, Edward James called me and said, Hey, Danny, you know, I don't remember being dressed as a cholo. I said, well, I do. You know what I, mean? <laughs> <laughs> I just, you know, I, I was real sorry for that. Cause I think if me and Edward would have got together, I think we would have really did a great service to the Chicano community or to the Latino community because we're both, you know, pretty powerful. He was one of the greatest, you know, and, and uh, but, you know, in one sense, he chose to, to direct uh, a film that wasn't authentic. And, and, and when you do that, it's, you disrespect a lot of people. And for folks who haven't read the book yet, one, what are you waiting for? Two, you, you're breaking down one of the chapters where you talk yeah. about you were uh, about to work on Blood In, Blood Out, but also talking to Edward James almost about the making of American Me and some yeah. of those trials and tribulations. So I want to talk yeah. more about that. You know, me and Eddie Bunker, who was a, 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 a great friend, best friend of a guy named Joe Morgan, and uh, we, we read this script, and these were all people we knew. You know, we grew up in that era of prison. And, and so we said, Eddie, this isn't true. You know, and he, we can't, well, theatrically, it, I just, but understand me, you are not working with theatrical people. <laughs> you understand? These are guys that you will wake up in the middle of the night on your bed. <laughs> and, uh, and so he kind of, you know, just shined it on. You know, he said, he thought he knew better. I, I really felt, I really felt sorry for him. I really, I really did. And I know that, like I said, we could have been such a force in the Latin community. And and he said, well, you know, blah, blah, blah. I said, Eddie, you've never you know, respected me. You've always known, you always respected me as a convict and not an actor, and, and which is fine. You know, no, no, that's not, I, Eddie, this is the first time you've ever called me, and mm. it's about something about you. Mm. And he didn't know what to say, you know. And, you know, that chapter, though, touches on, I think, one of the deeper parts of the book is that you're always touching on that struggle between this national view of who our people are, which you're going to see in media and film, and what our community is really like. And you represent that and, and you keep it real. But it's a fight because even there you're saying, hey, almost went with the Hollywood uh, theatrical side and you wanted to keep it true to the community is that is that fair to say that's kind of a tension that that you you've been fighting exactly Ex exactly you know it was a it was it was it was unbelievable that you know i you know i i uh, i almost paid you wait a minute you know what you don't understand you're disrespecting some people here it's not worth it's not worth arguing so the way I live my life is saying, "Hey, uh, you know, you know, I, I want to enjoy life, you know, and and I don't want conflicts. And the way to stay out of conflicts is make sure you're not disrespecting anyone." Mm. And, and I, I'm going to interpret it as always true to the community. Now, this is excerpted. There's an excerpt of that in GQ magazine, which is fantastic. So the rest of the world can see it. What they don't understand, though, is how powerful. Blood in, blood out is in our community. And I think part Absolutely. of that is because you kept it real and keep that 
that's why we love you. You're always true to community. That's why we love you. Edward James, Edward James still tries to say that, no, no, kids are watching uh, uh, American Me. I go, hey, American Me was the best recruitment Mm. that the Mexican Mafia could have had. It put them in the movies. It put them on the front page. Bloody and blood out. You know, when I walk into a club and there's a couple of battles from, from the mafia there, <laughs> they'll look at me and stand up and go, Trucha, la onda. <laughs> you know, they know it was a movie. Right. Do you understand? Right. And, 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 and the actors from American Me called me and said, hey, Danny, are, are we okay? We, we know there's a big problem. I says, hey, the powers that be in the mob have said, they don't want, you guys are working. You know, you guys are, are working for a paycheck. You mm-hmm. know, this other guy, you know, he was doing it for himself, you know, big difference. And, and you go deep into that in the book. So I want to remind folks, the book is potent. Like, it's, it's in your voice, Danny. I feel like, <laughs> I feel like you're talking to me while, while I'm reading the book. Yeah. And Thank you. No, Thank you. Re- really fantastic job on there. You do keep it real, fantastic on GQ, but also you were on Fools Gone Wild, <laughs> which was so cool. So you're like, you, you keep up with the platforms and the community. I just, you know, I, I love doing stuff. You know what I mean? She, hey, I was on, on Brian Gillis and I climbed mountains. <laughs> and, uh, I, I was on the mass singer. I was a uh, uh, a raccoon. <laughs> but uh, you know what? I I, I love doing everything. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, my son, you know, my son, he he just directed me in that film, and I I said, yeah, sure, of course. And it it was just a uh, uh, God, you know, an act of love, and and that's what I love about about this industry. You know, you can go from playing this hard crazy maniac one day and and be on uh uh spongebob score patch the next <laughs> <laughs> it was funny because you know when when uh i was at the super bowl right and snoop dogg was performing Dang. and he, he calls me up on stage right danny come here come here i go up on stage what's up snoop and with a live <laughs> mic he goes he goes hey listen <laughs> Two of the oldest gangsters in Hollywood, and we're on SpongeBob SquarePants. <laughs> the whole crowd went crazy. <laughs> you know what I mean? And uh, he was, and I, I love Snoop. You know, we're like, we're like doing quite a bit together. That's really cool because I, I think what you've also managed to do is break a lot of the stereotypes and the generalizations that people have about our community. One, because it's clear you're you're, you're loving it, but two, you're true you're true to us. You know, everything, everything good that has happened to me has happened as a direct result of helping someone else. Mm. I have got a, a, a record label going, right? And it's amazing. It's like, I, I did this to help a, a lady and her daughter. And right now we dropped an album called Chicano Soul Shop Volume 1. We're getting ready to drop another one called Trejo Soul Classics. I, let, me, let me tell you who I got. I got on this album. Bash from Houston, Cuba, baby. Bash. All right. <laughs> I got Frankie J, uh, Twixie, Jasmine, uh, Coda, 
uh, and you know we're all we're all like there. And right now, I'm I'm just so proud of of what's going on. And like I said, everything good that has happened to me has happened as a direct result of helping someone else. I'm cruising down down the boulevard. I see a cutie to my right, pump the brakes to my heart. Right then my world starts spinning. The Cali breeze is hitting. I'm feeling something and don't want it to stop. I'm sidewalk talking, posted, chilling in my ride. And then I see the sexy lady passing me Soul Shop with me, Danny Trejo. Hit me up with your requests and dedications at 818-445-3403 or check us out on ChicanoSoulShop.com. All right, let's get right into this next one. You can find this video at ChicanoSoulShop.com. Here's Trish Toledo featuring Baby Bat, Do You Love, right here on Chicano Soul Shop.
so I keep my hustle hand in full rotation Sometime I'm here, sometime I'm there, baby I feel your frustration Cause baby doll I miss you too much I love to see that smile on your face when your daddy pull up In a drop top cut and sit with candy and chrome I can't wait to get home Because here at Nuestra Palabra, we are the base of the Libra Traficantes and we cross all intellectual borders. We are flowing some of the music from your record label throughout the interview, throughout the show, because it's that kind of intellectual party that you are inspiring, okay? And No, man, it, it, this is an exciting time for, for a lot of us. I also want people to understand how smart you are and that you're also a businessman because we got to juggle all those things, right? We got to do all those side hustles. Congratulations on your businesses, which you talk about in the book. You know, Trejos Tacos, Trejos Cantinas, Trejos Coffee and Donuts. That's brilliant. You know what? If that started again, I did a favor for a director who had a low-budget movie that wanted me to do it. And really, I kind of wanted to do this other one for some money, but my agent, Gloria Nahosa, who is from Texas. Eso. Uh, yeah, she's from Austin. And she uh, she said, you know what, this might be a better idea. Listen to your agent. So I said, yeah, okay, let's do it. So we did this movie called Badass, turned into a trilogy, made four times the money. But I <laughs> met a producer that saw that I like good food. I won't eat fast food. Nice. You know, I won't eat processed food. I'll eat uh, good. You know? mm-hmm. And he saw that. And so he said, uh, uh, Danny, why don't you open a restaurant? Jokingly, I said, Trails Tacos. <laughs> Two movies later, we did Badass, Badasses, Badass on the Bayou. He brought me a business plan. I opened it. The first page didn't have any killing, so I gave it to my agent. <laughs> Gloria, you know, host, uh, said the text, and I said, here, read this. And she said, it's a no-brainer. They want to open a restaurant with you, and they're not asking for 50 grand up front. So <laughs> I said, let's, so she said, let's do it. So that's how I'm in the restaurant business. And Ash, Shaw, and Jeff, they're like my business partners, and they're the greatest guys I know. I just, uh, all we did during the pandemic was feed the homeless. We uh, fed the hospitals. We fed the command post for the police. And, you know, we just did it. And, and that's why Diosito let us keep them all open. That's great. No, and this book is really going to be changing the way people think of Latinos. But the undertone is those are a lot of Chicano values. Familia, in the book, you always go back to providing, providing. Like you say, it, it's acting, it's glamorous, but you're like, I'm putting food on the table for my kids. And it's beautiful how I always give back. So so let's... Hey, and you know what? You know what? I'm going to be in Houston. Cuando? I, there's a Comic-Con. Oh, my Houston. goodness. That I'm going to, so I want to invite all my fans there. Oh my goodness! Comic Con alert! You be there. You be there. Tell them you're my guest. I'm gonna be there. I'm gonna be your guest. I'm gonna bring people too. Danny Trejo's coming to H Town. Of course, he's coming virtually first. 
July 14th Absolutely. at the bookstore. In, in closing, let's show Texas a ton of love because in the book you say you had some time in your childhood here. You talk about shooting Machete in Austin with uh, Robert Rodriguez. I think you love Texas. I love it. They made me an honorary Texan. That's so. I'm the only one in my family that wasn't born in Texas. My, my grandfather was so sure that Texas was going to succeed from the union <laughs> that when, when, when the girls would get pregnant, he would get them and take them back to Texas so the kids would be born, be born Tejanos. Well, my dad, he was out here uh, uh, working, met my mom, and then he went back to Texas. Didn't know my mom was pregnant. So I was born, I was born here. So every time I got in trouble, there was a, they would, well, it's the California, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and so yeah, but but uh, but then uh, I went to an event there, and the governor I think made me an honorary Texan. Funny, uh, I didn't know what to say, but I looked up and I said, "Wellito, I hope you're proud of me now. I'm a Texan," and everybody kind of <laughs> laughed. But then when I told them the story, they went berserk. They loved it. That's awesome. <laughs> well, it's been a pleasure talking to honorary Texan Danny Trejo. We're celebrating yeah. his amazing memoir. And let's get something straight. Here, our community has a book that represents us. Our job now is to get that books in the schools. I promise you. Right on. This is going to turn it. on those young kids. It's going to excite them. High school. Yeah. College, this should be in mixed American literature yeah. courses, oh, American yeah. literature courses, and this should be the yeah. start of family libraries. God bless you, man. Thank you. Thank you so much. Mama Sita, come ride with me. Candy coated paint with the leather seat. We can drop the top, we can drop the top, we can get low, baby. We can drop the top, we can drop the top, we can.
1991, two Chicano scripts rolled through Hollywood that both centered on the formation and growth of La M, the biggest Mexican gang in California prison system. Since I was a high-profile Chicano who'd done time, both movies reached out to me. They knew my involvement would give them credibility. One was called American Me, directed by and starring Edward James Olmos. The other was Blood In and Blood Out. When I sat down to read American Me, I was excited. Olmos was just coming off an Oscar-nominated performance for Stan and Deliver, and now he was making a movie about a world I knew intimately. But my initial excitement quickly changed to dismay. Ten pages in, I knew there was going to be problems. In the opening scene, the mother of Montoya Santana, the character Edward James almost played in the film, is raped by sailors in the night of the Zoot Suit Riots, leaving her unsure who Montoya's real father is. That was straight up untrue. I knew it was untrue because almost character was based on a real guy in the Mexican mafia named Rodolfo Cardena, a.k.a. Cheyenne. That wasn't the only problem. About 20 pages later came a shocking scene in which something violent happened to Santana in Juvenile Hall. Because of what happened later, I won't mention what it was. The whole thing was a fire, started in falsehood. I don't want to add fuel to. The truth is Cheyenne had never been abused in that way, and the fact that in the script he immediately got revenge on his attacker didn't matter. I know this sounds harsh, but no person who ever been violated in that way could ever raise to the top of a prison gang. They could be killers and bad motherfuckers, but they'd never run a prison gang. It wouldn't happen. More important, it didn't. Another big concern I had was that any movie about the Mexican mafia would have to be okayed by the OGs in prison before I signed on either project. I was definitely going to have to find out what the shot callers thought about it. And finally, somewhere before page 30 in the American Me script, I saw the writer called the gang La M. This is the actual name of the Mexican Mafia, and I had a feeling using it would be a big no-no for Joe Morgan, Robot, Donald Garcia, and Sailor Boy, some of the La M bigwigs I'd known since my days in Juvie, YTS, Dual Vocational Institute, and San Quentin. I knew just how serious and deadly La Eme was. I'd come up with the guys, but my Uncle Gilbert was the one who really knew the older shot callers. I was lucky, because Gilbert was so respected in the pen, I got that level of respect passed on to me. 
When I got to prison, Gilbert cautioned me about joining the mafia. He said that was a contract for life, and we shouldn't have any part of it. So I stayed away, but that didn't mean I wasn't friends with the guys. Sailor Boy and I starched our clothes together in YTS. Robot Solace was a good friend. Donald Garcia and I had gone back since junior high school. Gilbert was a good friend with all of them, especially Joe Pegleg Morgan, the current head of the Mexican Mafia. Even though we weren't members of the gang, Gilbert and I were classified as sympathizers, a designation that wasn't casual. Ramon Mundo Mendoza, a hitman for the Mexican Mafia, later commented on my friendship with the organization. Mundo said, Danny Trejo is blessed. He was friends with people on both sides of the line, but always got respect. I've done time with these men. They were serious vatos. Their world and their lives were being represented, or I suspected misrepresented in the film, and I couldn't imagine they'd be happy about it. idea just how bad things were going to get. The word on the street was at least eight people 
died because of their involvement in American Me. Maybe ten. Four outside and four to six inside. One of the guys murdered was a Mexican mafia member named Charlie Marquez, who had fallen into disrepute because of his drug use. He was given a pair of Levi's, some tennis shoes, and money to buy weed to be an extra in a scene and act as an unofficial technical advisor before being gunned down in Ramona Gardens. Another guy was shot seven times just for being in the deep background of a scene where he sits in a car. A community gang liaison named Anna Lizarraga, the top consultant on American Me, was executed outside her home in front of her son. Besides being warned about not getting involved in the project, like almost, Lizarraga falsely claimed that she too had met with Joe Morgan and gotten his approval. Almos was like a little kid playing with a grenade, thinking the whole time it was a sparkler. The violent aftershock rumbled for years. Southern vatos I knew who were in prison in the years that followed hated the fact hits were out on Sureños who'd been involved in the production. A lot of these men were simply drug addicts who needed money for a fix when they agreed to be extras or do bit parts in the film. It's a horrible chapter made worse because it was all so avoidable. The average viewer or film critic wouldn't even know the difference between American Me and Blood In, Blood Out. I do not condone the violence, but even if it's wrong, it's irresponsible to pretend there might not be repercussion. The American Me saga brought my past life as a convict front and center. However far I'd come from the fire didn't mean it wasn't still hot. Edward James Almost had just come off an Oscar nomination. His star was in the ascendant. I think that might have blinded him to what otherwise might have been more obvious. Those of us who had done serious time on the streets or in prison knew threats from prominent gangs could and should never be dismissed, but not everyone has that background. Producers and Hollywood don't always necessarily understand the nature of people they are representing. I will never discount the contribution Edward James Almost has made to Hollywood and his constant advocacy for Latinos, but the whole episode was, in my view, unnecessarily reckless.
Fire.